Welcome to the Daily Bolster. Each day we welcome transformational executives to share their real-world experiences and practical advice about scaling yourself, your team, and your business. Welcome to the Daily Bolster. I'm Matt Blumberg, co-founder and CEO of Bolster, and I'm here today with David Rosenblatt. Uh, David is the CEO of First Dibs, which is a publicly traded company that is an online marketplace for art and antiques. I hope I got that reasonably true yeah. to your positioning. Uh, David is the former CEO of, of uh, DoubleClick, uh, had been there for a long time, sold the business to Google, uh, and is someone that I've known and been friends with for a very long time at this point. Uh, David, welcome to the Daily Bolster. Thank you, Matt. And minor correction, we're a marketplace for luxury design. So including uh, art and antiques, but also jewelry, some fashion and contemporary design as well. Okay, thank you. Correction noted. Um, all right, so David, one of the interesting things about the arc of your career is that you didn't found First Dibs. You joined it after the company had already been around for eight to 10 years um, and was still a private venture-backed company, took it over, scaled it, it's now public. Um, so my question for you, which I think uh, is interesting for a lot of people in our audience is, what do you do when you take over a company from a founder that's been going for 10 years? And how do you think about making the shifts you need to make in uh, culture or strategy or whatever uh, to get it to the next level? I've always thought of this role in a sense, uh, and this will hopefully resonate with those of us who are old enough to remember this ad, of the old Memorex tagline, which is, we don't make the music, but we make it sound better. I think in the broadest sense, it's important to enter a situation like that with that reference point, that assumption. Um, I, I'd say, you know, it probably falls into three categories. So one is it's incredibly important, I think, for the professional leader coming in to agree with the founder and, and investors to the extent that it's a private company in advance of joining that the strategy and the culture will shift because that's not always the case. And it's you know often not assumed to be the case by the founder. For sure. Um, and I think, listen, I think that the, that also extends to an agreement uh, potentially codified with the board so that if there's a disagreement, you know, it's clear how that disagreement is, is resolved. Right, because I can um, imagine, I, I don't know if you ran into this or want to talk about it, but I can imagine a lot of founders agree to it because they think they need to agree to it or they think, or they do agree to it in the moment, but once they see it happening, uh, they have a harder time with it. So that is exactly uh, the case in many instances. And, and you know, like any arrangement or relationship, um, it can be important to think about how to mediate differences in advance rather than only focus right. on, you know, the best possible outcome. Yeah. So that, that's an incredibly important first step. Um, you know, I think the, the second step uh, or the second dimension in terms of culture specifically is again, I think to recognize that it is a personal subjective process. So the, the, the culture of a company, I think ultimately has to be an extension of or somehow related to the, the character and the moral authority and the perspective of the CEO, of the leader. Now that said, you know, I think the other half of that coin is for the CEO to think about and identify what are the most compelling parts of the culture that the founder brought, right? Because undoubtedly those parts led to both the success of the company and also the challenges. 
And, you know, in a perfect world, the new leader would synthesize those things, the, the, the good parts, right, that originated from the founder with his or her own imprint stemming right. from a truly authentic understanding of his or her own character and personality. I mean, that is literally, we don't make the music, we just make it better. Yeah, and I think that I, th I think in most cases that that applies. Now, the the third point is probably the one where it may not apply actually, and that's strategy, right? And and I think sort of in contrast to the formation of culture, which is a subjective personal process, the formation and the development of the new strategy, I think it's important that that be as objective a process as possible, right? And I think there's just no way around a sort of MBA like kind of quantitatively left brain grounded process, right? To understand the market opportunity, the company's own strengths and weaknesses relative to that, you know, the sort of financial, the capital requirements, the return assumptions embedded in those investments uh, and so on. And I think also in contrast to the, the, the formation of the culture, it's really important that it be a team-based process, right? The senior team, potentially depending on the kind of company it is, the product team needs to both develop and then be bought into the strategy itself and its commercialization so that there is as broad alignment as possible. And, you know, that whole like shlemiel is, you know, very different than how founders often set the strategy of a company. Yeah, that's right. And my guess is of the three things, strategy may be the one that changes the most when someone takes over from a founder. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And certainly, you know, the fastest, right? right? Culture can take a while to change. Strategy can change overnight. That's right. All right. David Rosenblatt from First Tips. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.